0: This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio and the audiobook version of The Best Friend by Jessica Fellows. Kate, this book totally could be us, like the dark, dramatic version of our friendship. Wait, what? Yeah, Bella and Kate, they're kindred spirits like us. Bella is sensible and cautious. Kate is gregarious and just a little dangerous. Yeah, they're also totally toxic. Oh, come on. They're intense. Honestly, it's the men that ruin it
1: all. True. Uh, When Bella and Kate come of age, a black seed is set in the heart of their relationship. Over decades, acts of both cruelty and love ferment until one shocking event tests them beyond normal limits.
0: Uh, Way beyond. The two narrators of this audiobook make it feel like you're listening in on a pair of best friends conspiring to get into a lot of fun and trouble. The Best Friend explores
1: the darkest corners of female friendship, a place where loyalty and betrayal intersect with deadly consequences.
0: Get The Best Friend by New York Times bestselling author Jessica Fellows on Audible, Libro.fm, or wherever you get audiobooks today. On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman.
1: Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys' and women's
0: bodies? We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now
1: we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and
0: passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we are joined by Sophie Cousins. Before becoming a full-time writer, she worked as a TV producer in London for more than 12 years, working on shows such as The Graham Norton Show, Russell Howard's Good News, and Big Brother. She is the author of This Time Next Year and Just Haven't Met You Yet, Her new novel, Before I Do, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction
2: Women, Sophie. Thank you very much for having me on. It's great to be here. Good, good. So tell us a little bit about Before I Do. So Before I Do is about my lovely heroine, Audrey, who is about to get married to her lovely fiancé, Josh, who she has been living with for a couple of years. They have a very nice relationship. And then the night before the wedding... Who should turn up at the rehearsal dinner but her what-if guy, the one that got away, the man she's always wondered about and kind of thought could be her soulmate? And him showing up as the plus one of one of her bridesmaids just throws her for a loop and makes her start to question whether she should be getting married or whether this is a sign from the universe that she should be with somebody else.
0: Oh yeah, we're gonna. I, what a great hook, and it's <laughs> yes. it feels familiar. Just certainly the idea, and maybe even before a wedding, but having him come as the plus one, and it's so believable that they don't even know who you know that they're about to see each other i loved this setup like again
2: familiar but very original I really oh loved it. good thank you yeah i always try and invent like just horrendous situations for my <laughs> for my heroines <laughs> to be in where i think right what's the worst thing that could happen on your wedding day Aha. <laughs> oh my gosh
1: that's right and you you Gave uh, Corinne and I hours of things to discuss about what would you do if oh, that yeah. happened? It does make people think. You know, we concluded we'd have very different reactions. Oh,
2: interesting. Oh, I yeah, might have to hear that,
1: hear what you would do. Yeah, that's par for the course <laughs> for me and Corinne. We think the same on a lot of things, but then what we would, how we would uh, act would well, definitely probably be different.
0: And that's the thing that we were talking about. I feel like our reactions would have nothing to do with the person. You know, you think you're making the, it's a, about the idea of what's happening. And, and we've said, Kate would be like, this is, these are my plans. You can't mess up my plans. I don't care if you are the love of my life. You're, this is not right. You can't do I it this way. You cannot diverge from the plan. <laughs> and I would be so taken with the idea, the romantic idea and swept up in it and run off with the guy. And then an hour later go, wait, but can I go back? Because that was the guy I totally love and want to be with for the rest of my life. But you just caught me at a good moment. I don't know.
2: Well, that's one of the it's things funny. that I really wanted to, what, I mean, the book is written on multiple timelines. So you see the mm. present day narrative where she's, Uh, about to either say I do or not say I do. Um, And then you see flashbacks to kind of 20 years before, five years before, two minutes before, where you see why she is like she is and where this indecision has come from. And again, I think in that situation, Audrey is really thrown and really does have cold feet. And part of the book is an exploration of sort of why she Mm. has that reaction, Mm -hmm. because not all of us would have necessarily reacted that way. And what has caused her to have doubts about marriage? Yes. Um, Yes. You know, and it's not just our kind of romantic backgrounds, but, you know, she's her mother has been married five times. And, you know, what is it like as a child to see your parents, um, you know, get married and break up with someone so many times? How can you believe in the institution of marriage if you have seen it um, destroyed so many times?
0: Yeah, yeah, and well, we're going to get into that, Yeah, too. And, and we might as well. I, I think I am very obsessed with intergenerational behavior and how much of it is learned, how much of it is programmed in us, nature versus nurture. I mean, there might be something personality-wise, if that's what's happening, that you want that or you rebel completely against it. And it is so kind of fascinating um, how much of it is actually ours, right how much of even you're talking about Vivian being married five times her mother Audrey's mother and you know is she doubting it just because of what her mother has done and what she's mm-hmm. seen in that way and we wanted to know why you wanted to explore that cuz it's something I'm completely obsessed with and part of it is for me I am now I'm a mother to a daughter I am a daughter to my mother and I also have two grandmothers that are very active in my life one just recently passed but I feel very layered in between ping ponging around all of these different feelings, and I'm like, how much is this my choice, or even <laughs> is it a false choice when I say I'm going to do the opposite of what I saw? Yeah, is that you're a false just choice? Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I find this this whole area really fascinating, and I also think our generation, you know, compared to say our grandparents' generation, where Divorce and separation was just a lot harder, a lot more challenging. You know, women weren't so economically um, independent, for one thing. Whereas I think now, you know, it's much easier to get divorced. Obviously, the divorce statistics are way higher. So people have witnessed a lot, you know, either in their own families or friends. And, you know, my big question is, you know, how if you're not especially religious, How does that affect your belief in marriage? And like, do people go into it feeling it's really going to last forever? Or is there a sort of caveat in your mind of like, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, and so that kind of romanticism about marriage, I think a lot of people have questions about it. And, you know, the more you've seen and, you know, for me, some of my friends who have actually come from the most divorced families have even more kind of craving to have the kind of stability of their own marriage that's, that they're going to make work, you know, whereas other people, I think they've sort of seen divorce that can be happy and that can work. And they have two families that work brilliantly. So again, they're not as scared of it as other people. So there's obviously no clear cut answer, but I just find how it affects people differently, endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And
0: there is a spectrum. There's two people can have a very similar situation and, react differently and want something different for themselves. And yeah, and like you're saying, you know, some people have this idea, this romantic idea, and then as soon as it falters, right? That first really big fight, that first bit of doubt. They're like, "Oh, wait. No, this is this is no longer soulmates. This is no longer, you know, the the love of my lifetime. This is just not going to work now." And I'm not sure that doubt is a reason to really call the whole thing into question. It's something to work through. But but when you hold that romantic ideal, even a shred of doubt can can kind of blow down that house of cards.
2: And, and I think for me as well, coming from you know, I've obviously write rom coms. I like read a lot of rom coms. I watch a lot of rom coms. And I think mm-hmm. in culture where in our culture where you know relationships, marriage, divorce, life is messy. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of these films and books hold up a complete ideal of what Mm -hmm. soulmate, true love, the universe is going to hand you like your perfect guy and then everything is going to work out. Um, It's very romantic, but is it maybe a little damaging as well? Like if people have that as their benchmark of what they're waiting for, um, you know, that also, I mean, it's, you know, these stories are great and they're hopeful and they're escapist, but I wanted to almost have a counterbalance to that in this book as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's yeah. what I was just going to say. But I think you and others now are, are writing these in a way where it's much more complex, much more nuanced, and it isn't just this, you know, fairy tale, romantic ideal. You find them and it's, it's over. Like the search is it, over. It, <laughs>
0: yes. that yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, speaking of something romantic a theme here which is we've touched on which is this idea of the one that got away or the what if guy as you talk about we have another one of our obsessions is that theme and Audrey had this um, immediate sort of an unforgettable connection as you mentioned with this what if guy Fred even though they only knew each other for a day and Corinne and I in our many debates about this um, one that got away is We talk about, like, on the one hand, it can be a mirror, you know, they can be this uh, mirror that reflects back to you who you really are, or a version of yourself that you might have forgotten. But those people could also be an anchor, you know, trying to tie you to your past or to this, this moment in time, then preventing you from really growing. So we'd love to hear sort of your views on this and why you think this theme is something that, you know, gets explored so often in popular fiction.
2: Well, I think for me, the idea of a what-if guy or girl, whatever you it might be, is I think it's not a relationship that's ever had a chance to really play out. You know, I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously have relationships that don't work out, that end, that you might, you know, you might have have it, the end forced upon you and you didn't want it. But I think a what-if guy is, or girl is just that idea of something, someone that came into your life that you thought, oh, this could be something, and it never got a chance to for whatever reason. And I think it's human nature to just always wonder about these things because it's like a book that you started that you never got to finish and mm. you had to start reading another book and, you know, we can't all read all the books. You then can't help comparing when you're halfway through another book of thinking... Maybe I should have read that other one. Maybe that would have been better. Um, So I think it's that sense of, you know, forks in the road, not having, you know, paths Mm -hmm. untaken. And also you never get to the boring part. If you've had a very romantic encounter with someone, with Audrey and Fred, they have this incredible meet-cute, you know, they meet because he leaves his photos at a photo booth and she replies in kind with photos. And it's the stuff Mm -hmm. of, you know, that meet-cutes are written about. But Mm -hmm. if you don't actually get it to play out, you never get to the boring part or the kind of argument part or the kind of boring admin part. So Mm -hmm. it's on a pedestal, you know, forevermore. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I want want to back up a little and talk about Audrey. She is a great character. She's spontaneous, adventurous. She's a dreamer with her head in the stars, both figuratively and kind of literally uh, in her profession, but... She also carries emotional baggage. She suffers from panic attacks. She questions her identity and her self-esteem due to her career uncertainty. And her fiancé's grandmother, Granny Parker, says her soul is too heavy for someone so young, which we loved. So I want to talk a little bit about your development of Audrey and how you came to know her, what challenges you found or inspiration um, to write her.
2: Yeah, so again, I usually sort of find my way into writing through the central question. In this case, you know, what if your potential soulmate turned up the night before your wedding? And then I start thinking about like what kind of person might find themselves in that situation and feel incredibly torn. And that's Mm -hmm. where Audrey's kind of past came from for me. That's what kind of came first for her was this idea of someone who'd come from a very influential mother and that her relationships and her attitude to love and her insecurities had really played a part in Audrey's life. And then actually the astronomy aspect, because she's really into astronomy. Her father taught her a lot about astronomy. Um, That kind of came much later in the writing because almost I needed something to kind of anchor her to that,
0: Mm.
2: you know, that was that was hers as well, that she kind of had an interest in that was outside of this world and I didn't know anything about astronomy myself when I started writing the book and I actually had a really great time kind of researching it and now I'm quite into it it's quite interesting how Ah. you can kind of pick a hobby for one of your characters and then yeah find like you're fascinated (laughs) by it but it played in quite well because I think she has got her head in the clouds she's always slightly looking elsewhere for answers and you know to have her interest in astronomy and you know she does have anxiety things that have happened in her past that have slightly traumatized her and I think that she always uses the sky as this sort of this steady kind of grounding um, presence obviously even though it's the opposite of grounding but when I had that for Audrey then I started to kind of get to know her really I think you know when I saw what she was passionate about where she'd come from and what she wanted. Well,
0: there's a logic in science, right? The the Earth's rotation is what it is and there's something you can calculate and that is, it, you can tell from her past, that is something she wants to rely on yeah. and is useful to her as a coping mechanism. Makes sense.
2: And I think I was also interested, I really wanted to write a heroine. You know, often when you start writing a book, you know, you're, you think of your heroine, you're like, right, what is their job? What do they do? And that really, you know, for, I think in in society as well when you meet someone one of the first questions you ask oh what do you do we use that to define people and for Audrey you know she's one of these people she hasn't found her calling yet she doesn't really have a career she's jumped around from you know working in cafes and dog walking in galleries and her job definitely does not define her as a result she feels a little bit lost because everyone expects it to and for me that also I was interesting to write because I wanted to write a heroine who hadn't you know found her calling yet and also was questioning the very nature of being defined in that way you know of everyone waiting yeah. you know when when people would ask her at dinner parties what do you do and she didn't really have an answer like how that made her feel yeah. yeah
0: and and it's one thing to be like well that's a dumb question and don't define me that way but also everyone does and so you have to respond in some way and what does that mean and and how does that affect your connections yeah it's very layered very
2: layered I don't know if this is the same in the States though, but like in the UK, yeah, generally small talk. is very quick to get to what you do? Whereas apparently yeah. in France, oh, apparently the French ask, what are your passions? That's the question. Yes. I ask. Ah, I've heard that. I have. Oh, that is good. not how we do it here.
1: No. 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 <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> I'm like,
2: no. So I'm going to try oh, and be good. more like, what are your passions? <laughs> yes. yes. You know,
0: I, I will like say that. I do try. I, Cause I don't like that question. And I try but I I'm always like oh are you are you watching or reading anything good is my way in and sometimes that's a little less I for some reason for all the memes and social media out there about following your passion if you talk one-on-one with someone about passion they freak out
2: that's (laughs) true they do I know because they they, do I don't know what my passions are I know But also, I think for me, I was a sort of stay at home mum for three years and I didn't have a job. And I dreaded that question. You know, if I met people and people said, oh, what do you do? And I'd go, oh, well, I used to. I used to work at TV and I'm, uh, you know, and to say, oh, I'm just at home with my children, even though that is the hardest job in the world. You'd see people's eyes slightly glaze over and be like, "All oh, right, how boring." Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I or hated that. Or they just, that.
1: or it's like a conversation
0: ender. Yes. yes, right. They'll go, "Oh, that's nice." Yes. Yeah. Uh, although, although you know that is something that mothers take personally. But by the way, if anyone tells me they're an accountant, <laughs> eyes glaze over. I'm conversation ender.
1: I mean, hello, I am a lawyer. I mean, that's a perfectly respectable thing to say. I'm embarrassed. I, I like apologize. And I'm like, nah, you don't want to Like, And God forbid they want to talk about it. I'm like, it's boring. No, you don't care. Like I, I like make it a conversation. Ender, so yes,
2: I mean, but people do that. I know people do that. So either, yeah. but you can be on the two extremes. Either you're like, oh my God, boring. Yeah. We don't want to talk about it. Or I yeah, if I say like I'm a novelist me. and people, I mean that people are interested, but then I feel like that's I'm being a conversation hogger and I'm like, oh no no no, back to you, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You so. can't win. Can't like, win. Like, what do no, you, you do really with can't. all those numbers? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So we have a lot of big topics on here. One of them is what is love? I know, but we're talking about rom-coms and we're talking about romance. And I just felt like in your book, there were a lot of different perspectives on that, you know, and we talk about it a lot. And... You know, we just had so many questions from this, like is falling in love different than being in love? Is love at first sight really love? I mean, when Audrey meets Fred, she said she never felt so instantly seen and understood by another human being that he had been her first love short as their acquaintance had been. But I'm like, is that love? Was that really love? Or is love this constant choice that two people make to work together to nurture each other to act as a team so these are big questions we had to ask you like what are your what are your thoughts on this because so much of these perspectives are in before i do
2: i think yeah this is this is definitely a big question and i think that i in the book was trying to show every different angle of love and lots of different types of love you know the kind of instant connection kind of you know magnetic love which She called love, but yeah, maybe that's something else. Maybe it's just a kind of incredible connection and energy and attraction. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's, you know, her her family love and for both her parents, which is very different. Her love for her mother and her father, uh, you know, they have very different relationships. And then her kind of more long term love with Josh, who she has a good relationship with. But you know, when she first met him, she didn't even remember his name for the first three meetings, because he was so unmemorable. So there definitely wasn't that kind of spark instant connection. Um, But when she gets to know him, it's like much more of a slow burn. And so again, it's that contrast between the kind of instant, crazy connection and the slow burn. And I try and unravel what love is and what marriage is to different people and I don't have the answers but I hope I raise the questions that's all I set out to do
1: definitely did Yeah.
2: yeah and I
0: think presenting those different angles is the most important piece because so there's a Vivian says at one point love changes us there's a metamorphosis everyone I've loved has changed the shape of my heart and I am fully on board with this idea because my husband, I think he is the one, you know, capital T, capital O, the one. But I have experienced true love that I don't want to demote, even though they didn't last forever. They were people that came into my lives, served a really important purpose. We did something together that was important and great. And just because it didn't go on doesn't mean it wasn't Something more special than, you know, a, a guy I saw a couple times or someone I, you know, I, that I didn't feel the same way about. They're, they all really matter to me. And so they and they change me. I, and I, I don't I think part of what we were talking about earlier, people get stuck in this idea. It's because there's a scarcity mindset around love and that there's only one true love and this is the one and that's all there ever is going to be and if it falters then it's not good and if it's a slow burn then it's you know somehow less than an instant connection and instead of embracing all of them i think people do limit themselves when they think of this the one being you know some some magical thing that's going to just happen to you Um, And I think you did convey that in this book.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I also think that we're all the, yeah, we're all the product of our experience. We are, you know, you have building blocks and some of these are negative building blocks and some of them are positive building blocks, but they are the reason that you are where you are. And, you know, for me, I met my husband in my 30s. I I would not have been ready to meet him in my early 20s. You know, I was a different person and Mm -hmm. I'd been through various other relationships and other situations. And, you know, I think I'd come out of my 20s a different person but I also think yeah. that the question of love is also a different question to who should I spend my life with because mm. there's some people that mm. you might love and have whisked you off your feet and have that fiery crazy connection with but they would be really bad life partners you know I don't think the two are necessarily mm-hmm. the same thing
0: <laughs> that's yeah. right no oh, that's you're a right great point that's a mm-hmm. great point yeah Uh. um
2: and actually there's just we were talking about bits that they um there's a bit part in the book where her she gets a letter from her dad and he says you know who he's imagining he hopes that audrey has ended up with because sadly he passed away so he's not there on the wedding day and he says i am sorry i will not meet the person you have chosen to spend your life with when i imagine this person i hope they are kind i hope they are selfless I hope they are happy to build you up and watch you shine because, trust me, some people won't do that, however much they profess to love you. So, and again, I think like the kind of love a parent wants for their child is maybe different, you know, different qualities yeah. and priorities than the love that, you know, the crazy roller coaster kind of. Yeah. can't sleep, you're so obsessed kind of love. Oh, yes. right.
0: <laughs> right. right. yeah. Yeah, to a parent that seems unsafe or unstable. And as wonderful it is to be in it, to a parent, it's scary. It's like, no, that's who you're going to end up with? Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, when you said that if you had met, you wouldn't have been ready to meet your husband in his 20s, in your 20s. Um, and there, there is a part in the book that I love that sort of asks this question of, who's worthy of love and and whether you have to be, um, basically have your shit together. Um, And her friend Hillary says, I don't like this narrative that's crept into books and films, this idea that you're not worthy of love until you have your life sorted out, that you need to be sure in your career, completely mentally stable and happy before you can be loved. I fucking love you whether you're a work in progress or a finished article. So uh, I love, love that. that passage because, oh, like you're you saying, like that, but that's one of my favorite bits yeah, as well. <laughs> right? It was so good because even though. Yeah, maybe you weren't ready in your 20s. You met your husband in your 30s. But that doesn't mean you were perfectly ready then either in that you don't continue to grow, presumably together. So tell us about that passage. I'm glad it's one of your It's one of my too. favorite
2: passages because, again, like when I don't know how other people, other writers write. But when I'm thinking about the shape of a novel, I'm often thinking about the sort of the arc that the main character goes. You know, they're often flawed or they've got some issue And the arc of the story is them um, overcoming that issue and being rather reformed by the end. And when I... And that sort of runs alongside the kind of action storyline of what's actually kind of happening in the foreground. And when I was structuring this, you know, usually what happens is that everything comes together at the end. So the girl sorts her shit out, gets herself an amazing job, gets the guy, and then is is happy. And there was some little kind of niggle that I had of like but she doesn't need to you know she doesn't Mm -hmm. need like it's that's not cause and effect you know people it's not like only the sorted people get to be loved because that's not our value you know you don't have Mm -hmm. to have know what you're doing have your career be sensible and grown up and you you don't have to have been through your narrative arc in order to be a lovable person (laughs) and I think that that's what is crucial about friends in life as well they're there for you for all of it there isn't it's Mm -hmm. unconditional they'll see you go through all your narrative arcs in life however many there may be and I wanted to touch on that as a kind of point and a theme in the story that you know love real love is not conditional on you being sorted out and being like a finished article
0: yeah yeah and I say all the time, I I couldn't have gotten my shit together without my husband. And I met him very young and we've grown together. We've been together for a long time and we've grown into many different people. We've had many different marriages, different phases of, of our dynamic. And it, that's amazing. That's so amazing. if I had that's waited, amazing. yeah, I don't know what it would have been. And that doesn't work for everyone because truly people do change into different people if they're not as formed, But it also doesn't negate the opposite, which is you can meet someone before you're barely formed at all and form each other and grow together. So I'm I love that. It's just another uh, variation on that. Mm-hmm. But you already yeah. talked about the timeline. And I, I want it, There are lots of timelines in this book, as you've already talked about. And I think that you said that you would swore yourself you would never write a book with multiple timelines again. Uh, do you still feel that way? And tell us about the process.
2: I definitely still feel this way. So my my first book, um, <laughs> this time next year, did have multiple timelines, but it was more flashbacks. It was kind of majority in the, pre- in the present, and then it had some flashbacks. But as a storyteller, I love that device because I find, for, you know for me, I love a novel being a jigsaw puzzle, and you kind of drip feed pieces to the reader. And then there's a real sense of satisfaction as you put those pieces of puzzle together yourself. Whereas this was, because for me, the story of Audrey and what happens on her wedding day is rooted in her past. And so Mm -hmm. we see the present day wedding day unfold. But then, you know, you need to see Her relationship with Fred, her her relationship with Josh, her relationship with her mother and how all of that has impacted on her current behavior and her current kind of mindset. Um, But it's very tricky to do because you never want the reader to be bored or to kind of skip bits or to feel desperate to get back to the present or the Mm -hmm. past. So it's very difficult to get that balance right. Um, And also to kind of put those Jumps in the right place. And actually, with this novel, I ended up taking the entire thing apart, putting it, <laughs> writing each timeline separately, and then trying to knit it back together in a slightly different order. And it just made, it just made the job of editing incredibly um, difficult and time consuming. And there was a point at which I had all of these post-it notes on my floor and I was just pulling my hair out going, why have I written it like this? What what was I thinking? (laughs) Oh, wow. But it
1: works. I am, I am a person who often with dual timelines likes one timeline better than the other and is like, I want to get back to the other one. Not at all with this, because I think it's exactly what you said. It's because her past so informs how she got here and the way she's thinking which is how we all are by the way i mean as as we've been talking about our damage our upbringing what we saw in our parents relationship all of that is always part of this soup this mix that we have inside us that is then informing our current decisions but it's hard in a book to to get that out but i i thought it worked really well thank Um, you so your post its were worth it. Yes,
2: well, one of the nicest reviews I've read so far that have said, "I usually hate, you know, a split narrative, but I like this one." So I was like, "Okay, good. good. Yeah, I've won you over yes. to the split narrative." Yes, <laughs> oh.
1: yes, yes. So we have a little side interest here, and your <laughs> book. Well, a lot of our interests obviously overlap, but but in the book, you um, have um, talked about how Audrey is into astronomy. And she looks to the stars for answers and for comfort. And so do we, except ours is in the form of astrology. Ah, uh, Yes. Yeah. So we always ask our authors, what's your sign? And do you relate to it? And I think you guys call it your star sign or your sun. I don't know. But I did a little Instagram snooping <laughs> and I think you're a Scorpio. I am a Scorpio. Right?
2: And I think that so I personally, I don't believe in star signs. But when I ever read about a Scorpio and what a Scorpio is, I do think "Mm, that does sound very (laughs) much like me, actually. Interesting. And I do think they have something in common with some of the other Scorpios that I know. Yeah,
1: for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Like I think they're generally quite
2: kind of quite fiery and don't, you know, take any Very determined. (laughs) Yes. 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 That's right. Very very determined,
0: very smart, shrewd they can be stoic people don't understand that there's uh, more going on than than meets the eye right mm-hmm. i think that's maybe quite headed maybe quite
2: stubborn yeah. as well yeah <laughs> it's a that's do the you... fixed
0: nature of scorpio yes yes yes
2: yes <laughs> but i would love to do this is what i would in this in this uh, so I, fi- I do find be really interesting but what i would love to do is like if you had had someone who knew all of the star signs and then they met a Mm -hmm. room full of people and then they were like, right, you're." and then they, without knowing anything else about them, see if they could identify what star signs were. Yeah, that's my party trick. That's your party trick. Oh, right. Oh, yeah,
0: Corinne's
1: pretty good at that. People think I'm good at it, but I'm like, no, 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 you got to talk to
0: her. (laughs) And sometimes I'll start, I'll be like, it's got to be a you're a fire sign or you're a water sign. Like I'll start with that yes, and then kind of okay, hone like in. That. Yeah. And then if I'm wrong, if I'm like, oh gosh, you're definitely a, an Earth sign, and they go, no, I'm not. I go, oh, so you're not a firstborn then. Like, are you? you I like, sometimes I'll add in birth order, and that usually is something <laughs> that influences what.
2: <laughs> I think that really influences people's personality as well. And do you know, it's like quite it, common for you to marry someone who's the same birth order as you.
0: Oh, oh, I didn't know I
1: that. Although think... I am, that is true in my yeah, house. See? And we are both second. And mm-hmm. we're both, me and yeah. my husband are both
2: four, number four. So, oh my oh. gosh. Th- that's harder to, <laughs> to match up. Yeah. And so, but I think Good. it's, all, I, I was thinking of a lot of my friends and I was like, yeah, this is quite, this works actually. Because I think it does form your personality. If you're the yes. first, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're the one who has to do everything first. You know, your parents are probably a little yeah. bit more worried about you kind of going yeah. and doing things on your own. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas by the time you're the youngest, they're like, yeah, whatever, go to London when you're right. five, it's fine. Oh, <laughs> where I could just see just two hold
1: middle children, hand. right? Two middle children being like, oh, I was a middle child too
2: and I was ignored. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh <laughs> oh my my gosh. Gosh. Totally, totally. No, so this, is, this yeah. is fascinating. I love all that kind of thing, yeah.
0: I'm running a quick survey, and I can't find anyone that that negates that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yep, second born, yep. two second born, yeah. Oh my gosh, wow, that's so. Wild I think, yeah, it, 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 but it, it does it like like affect personality. Pieces. It
2: does. It definitely does, and like the whole middle child syndrome of like, you know, for me, I think I yeah. like I was four of five, and definitely was like over in some ways overlooked because there's a lot of children. But then I would be the one kind of going, hey, I've written a story. Does anyone want to hear my story? (laughs) You know, so maybe I'm a writer because Uh I wanted to like have the floor. You know, yes,
0: yes, yes, to differentiate yourself.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's
0: so cool. Yeah. So it's a good party trick. It is. Well, we've loved talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us, Sophie. But before we go, I, we love to ask um, our authors what you're loving these days a TV show, movie, books that you're reading, podcasts you're listening to, anything that you're uh, totally in love with, we'd like to hear about.
2: Well, I am watching House of Dragons, which probably everyone else is as well, which is the prequel to Game of Thrones. Which I'm very much yeah. enjoying just because it's all so big and grand and dragony and, you know, dynasties <laughs> and warring and all of that kind of stuff. I very much mm-hmm. enjoy. And then, ooh, interesting. I've really enjoyed, I'll tell you a book that I recently read, which was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow um, yeah. by yeah. Gabrielle Zevin. Gabrielle Zevin.
1: Yes. Zevin. Yeah, it's sitting right here. I oh. say it every time an author,
2: yeah. I just found it so original. Yeah. It's all about the world of computer gaming, but it's talked about in such a creative, um, elegant way. I just got very absorbed in that world and felt very um, sad when it ended. And I was, it's made me want to go and get into video gaming. And I don't know any book that could <laughs> could otherwise convince <laughs> me to. Okay. But yeah, so I'm really to- You are work. not I,
1: the first person to recommend this book to us. Not the first person. People love it. People love it. Yo, everyone loves this book. Yeah, yeah. They just... Mm-hmm.
2: And then another, another thing I'm listening to at the moment, which is quite left field, but it's called Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. And it's a kind of strange romantic horror about a woman who gets <sighs> stuck in a submarine for four months and then when she comes back is kind of markedly changed and about the relationship with... Her wife, when she returns, mm. and how different it is. And it's just, it's very eloquent and very, very kind of ghosty, spooky. Um, but I'm quite, that was recommended to me by a friend, and I'm quite enjoying oh. that. Wow. I love that. Yeah. We love out of left field stuff. <laughs> I, I just get through a lot more audiobooks than I do paper book or Kindle lately. Yeah. I just find I can li- go on walks, she, listen Kate around Kate the house, yeah. just sort of, yeah. I'm a big. You're- big fan of You're Audible. preaching
1: to the choir over yeah. here what speed do you listen to it
2: on? oh 1.3 generally unless it's a very fast talker okay. but yeah 1.3 why what what speed do you do i do 1.7 i've 7. gotten up to 1.7 sacrilege um, sacrilege yeah yeah
1: <laughs> um i know it changes the tone of their voice Oh, completely, and you know Chandler Baker. She's an author. who's written. I mean, the Whisper, what, what, the Whisper Network, Net the Network husbands, and other yes, things. Yeah. She posts about audiobooks all the time, and she's up to two. Like, and I have commented, and I'll be like, I'm at one seven. She's like, you can do it. You can she... do it. It's only a couple more
2: steps. <laughs> See, my husband and I
0: have this. Art. I don't do audiobooks, but he does two speed on podcasts, and I, I'm, I try to stay under one point five because otherwise, it really does change. Yeah, I'd the say voice.
2: 1.3 is the most I can go without it kind of it dis- distorting mm-hmm. the kind of cadence too much. But yeah, then but then I listened to mine because my mine came through yeah. it was yeah. the first time I'd heard it when it came out in the UK, like um, a few days ago. And the thought of listening to that on fast speed was like completely like made me very upset. <laughs> so, now, so even though I listen to other people's audiobooks yeah. on higher speed, yeah. no. I'm like, yeah. you must I listen know. to mine with complete due reverence.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Oh Tell uh, our listeners yep. where
2: they can find you. Where you're most active on social media. So probably best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm Sophie underscore Cousins. So yeah, jump on there. Post about what you've been reading. I'm always keen to communicate with everyone who's been reading my books and also you can check out my website sophiecousins.com where you can sign up for my mailing list and I will be keeping people up to date with what I'm working on and what I'm reading.
0: Good, exciting. All right. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much. We loved Before I Do. So many themes we love.
2: Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your
1: favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women.
0: For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.